this fall, we're beginning a new journey that I've entitled Difficult Discipleship. We'll make some stops in the Gospel of Luke and also hear a few excerpts from the prophet Jeremiah. And each of these texts will remind us that discipleship is difficult. Following Christ is not easy. Becoming a Christian is one of the easiest things in all of the world to do. It is one simple prayer. However, following Christ, living as a Christian, being discipled, is difficult work. And so this month, we will allow space for both Jesus and Jeremiah to speak into our lives about discipleship, about following Christ, no matter what, even when it becomes difficult. For discipleship is hard work. Church forefather John Wesley is attributed as saying, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. The lofty goal. The lofty expectations that Jesus seems to have of his followers. And in today's reading out of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has some overly harsh words. The crowds who come to Jesus to travel with him may not know it, but this journey is no light matter. For Jesus is headed directly to Jerusalem, which will ultimately cost him his, his life. Sometimes our own view of discipleship is colored by the immediate response of Jesus' first disciples. Jesus calls, they drop their nets, and they follow him. But here in this text, the picture is somewhat different. The crowds might be following Jesus because of the blessings that they've seen from others who follow Jesus. Maybe they're following him because of the wonderful things that they've seen and heard about. Some of them might have seen the feeding miracle, 5,000 people fed. Some heard great teachings. Others saw healings. A widow's son brought back to life and countless other miracles. The crowds, it seems, have thought about all the good stuff but might have missed out on the true difficulty of discipleship. Jesus says, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. This statement sounds so harsh to us, specifically because we live in a world in which, which many families are broken and shattered. I mean, what exactly is Jesus getting at? Was Jesus really saying that to follow him, one must hate their own family? This really seems at odds with Jesus' constant commandments of love or the commandment to honor one's mother and one's father. We have to realize that much of life in the ancient world was tied to a patriarchal family system. The men had all the power. The women and children basically belonged to the men. The oldest son was the most esteemed. Maybe Jesus was challenging this patriarchal system just a little bit. I mean, earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus makes the radical declaration that Mary could sit at his feet and be 
a disciple. Jesus must have been challenged in their system and suggesting that following him meant a primary commitment to him rather than a patriarchal family system. In the ancient world, the terms love and hate, specifically among the Israelites and Hebrews, referred less to emotions that one would have and meant more about having honored or dishonored someone else. Love and hate was much more understood as a behavior rather than a feeling. And this is why it might be difficult when we read these words today. Hating one's family would have meant doing something that disgraced them. Every member of the family was expected to protect and honor their family. If some members joined a suspect movement like Jesus's or abandoned their home, it brought disgrace on their family, particularly if it was done in disobedience to the patriarch, the male head of the household. And so I don't believe that Jesus was literally saying, you must hate your own family. I think he was suggesting that following him must be one's highest priority, even if it brings dishonor to their own family, even if it is at odds with the powerful ones, what they tell you you're supposed to do. Maybe Jesus was saying that if you want to follow me, your primary allegiance must be to me, not your family, not your country, not your political party, not your hopes and dreams. Our primary allegiance must be to Jesus. Following Jesus has to be more important than all of these things. And it requires a single-mindedness that the crowd may not yet be able to understand. This is one of the reasons why discipleship is difficult. Jesus continues, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Following Jesus will cost you everything. Do not enter into it lightheartedly. Jesus is offering the crowds a choice. He refuses to water down the message. He says this is going to cost you everything, even your very life. You don't have to come. For discipleship is difficult, harder than we can even imagine. German theologian Diedrich Bonhoeffer talks about the difficulty of discipleship in his writing entitled The Cost of Discipleship. He says these words. If Christianity ceased to be serious about discipleship, if we have watered down the gospel into an emotional uplift, which makes no costly demands and fails to distinguish between natural and Christian existence, then we cannot help regarding the cross as an ordinary everyday calamity, as one of the trials and tribulations of life. Only a man, or I would suggest, or a woman, thus totally committed in discipleship, can experience the meaning of the cross. Bonhoeffer suggests that the cross is necessary for Jesus, but also for us. He adds that to endure the cross is not a tragedy. It is the suffering which is the fruit of an exclusive allegiance to Jesus Christ. For it is in the cross that we recognize we are powerless. It is only when we lay down our lives that we find true, authentic 
meaning in life. For discipleship is difficult. Over and over in the scriptures, Jesus warns the people the cost of discipleship. That it will cost them everything. Everything they ever have, everything they've ever hoped for, and everything they've ever believed in. But it will cost them their biological families, their possessions, and even their very lives. Jesus warns people to count the cost before following him. And Jesus even allows people to walk away. He doesn't change the message to keep them around. Several years ago, I mentored a high school student who was busted for having drugs in school. And I remember sitting in his living room and asking him in disappointment a bold philosophical question. I looked him in the eyes and said, what happened, dude? And he responded, I got bored with church. I thought, God, forgive us for all those that we've lost for making the gospel boring. I'm convinced that if we lose kids to a culture of drugs and materialism, of violence and war, it's not because we don't entertain them. It's because we don't dare them. It's because we make the gospel too easy, not because we make it too difficult. We are at times guilty of teaching our young people, our children, one another, that the definition of following Jesus is a calm, safe life. And yet Jesus suggests quite the opposite. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, if you really want to follow me, count the cost. Discipleship is not one more extracurricular activity. We are not conformed to the image of Christ accidentally. In such a fast-paced, instant gratification society, we're used to quick fixes and easy answers. But Jesus calls us to something entirely different. There is no such thing as drive-through discipleship. Discipleship is hard work. Followers of Jesus should count the cost. True, authentic discipleship will cost us everything. We don't conform to the image of Christ by only laying down half of our lives. It's not, God, I'll give you this control, but not this, this, and this. For God does not want to be an add-on to our lives. But God desires to be in total control of our entire life. God desires us to surrender. To lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. For discipleship is difficult. And at the same time, the prophet Jeremiah reminds us that the transformation, whether individual or communal, is ultimately God's work. It is not our own. So while we should count the cost and recognize that discipleship is difficult, it is God who does the transforming in our own lives. We do not transform ourselves. It is God who makes us new. For God told Jeremiah to go to the potter's house. Jeremiah mentions that he notices the potter working at a wheel. And the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands. What would the potter do? Would he throw the clay away and go to the market and purchase another brand? Would he kick the wheel and go off and sulk in the corner? Would he give up being a potter altogether? None of it. 
The potter simply formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. And then the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Jeremiah and exclaims, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand. God is the one who does the shaping, molding, and transforming. When our lives become marred like clay, marred by sin, marred by rebellion, marred by hate, marred by prejudice, God doesn't give up on us and start all over. God doesn't throw away that which is spoiled. God continues speaking to Jeremiah. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or kingdom that I will pluck up and break and destroy it, but if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. The clay can frustrate the potter's intention, and it can cause the potter to change it. For the quality of the clay determines what the potter can do with it. Just as the quality of the people determines what God can do with us as well. This is why discipleship is difficult. God is ultimately the one who does the shaping, the molding, and the transforming, but we must turn from our evil. We must turn from our prejudice, our selfishness, our hate and disdain from those who are different than ourselves. We must turn from our pride and our hypocrisy. We must return to God. If we are the clay. God can transform us, but if there is still hate in our hearts, I think it might limit what God can or will in our lives. This is the paradox of faith and discipleship, putting ourselves in the best possible position for God to do God's work in our lives, while at the same time ultimately recognizing that it is God who does the work, not ourselves. Think for a moment about the essence of pottery. Pottery was a life-changing invention for the ancient people. Before pottery, people were nomads. They were wandering tribes, following herds of animals, going from one food source to the next. There was no time to develop anything. There was no technological advances. There was no leisure, no art, no reflection. Just day-to-day survival. However, with the invention of pottery made it possible to store and to carry. People began settling in places because grain could be stored and water could be carried. And as they settled, they found it possible to reflect. They found time for the arts. They found time for reflection. There was time for leisure activities. Now try to imagine how life would change if we had no containers anything. No pots, no pans, no bowls, no dishes, no buckets and jugs, no Tupperware. Life would be reduced to what we could manage to hold in our hands each and every day. We would have considerably less leftover food 
at our fellowship hour, if people could only bring what they could hold, not in a boat. Pottery performed a significant function for the ancient people. Pottery allowed society to develop more fully. Pottery was necessary, but pottery also had an artistic aspect. People didn't just make plates and jugs. They made works of art that performed you see, we often today separate these things a lot. We take brown bags for our lunch rather than things that are beautiful and exquisite. And for the ancients, they, they didn't separate the necessary from the beautiful. They were one and the same. The pottery that they made was a work of art that expressed their beauty of the maker, but at the same time had a positive function. Pottery was necessary, but was also beautiful. And in Eugene Peterson's book, Running with the Horses, in which he dives into the book of Jeremiah, he talks about the early ancient people weren't the only ones who made things that were necessary and also beautiful, but so was God. Peterson says these words, Jeremiah's imagination went to work as he stood before this potter, with his lump of clay in his wheel. Jeremiah had seen potters all his life, but today he saw something else. He saw God at work making a people for his glory. A people of God, persons created in the image of God, necessary but not only necessary, each one also beautiful. And beautiful but not only beautiful, each one also necessary. There is no human being who is not useful with a part to play in what God is doing. And there is no human being who is not unique with special lines and colors and forms distinct from anyone else. And all this came clear to Jeremiah in the potter's house. The brute facts of clay, lumpish and inert, shaped for a purpose by the hands of the potter. And then, as it took its shape, the realization of the uniquely designed individuality and the wide-ranging usefulness it would acquire as a Peterson continues, God has shaped us for his eternal purposes, and he begins right here. The dust of which we were made in the image of God into which we are made are one in the same. Discipleship is difficult. We are the clay in God's hands, individually but also communally. God will not make us do anything. We are not God's puppets. God will not make us use our gifts or choose to repent. God will not force us to love our neighbors as ourselves. You and I have a choice. But if we choose to, if we choose to lay down our lives and take up our crosses and follow Jesus, God will transform our very way of being into the image of Jesus the Christ. This is difficult journey. It is not for the lighthearted. It infringes on our rights. It demands obedience, even when we might not want to be obedient. Discipleship is a risk, and it requires faithfulness even when it is hard. One of my favorite quotes 
of all time is credited to Mother Teresa. And I don't think she was specifically speaking about discipleship, but I think it's it. She's credited with saying these words. Following Jesus is simple, but not easy. Love until it hurts. And then, love more. Pretty simple. Though immensely difficult, love until it hurts. But guess what? not off the hook. You're not done. Love until it hurts. And then, love more. Discipleship is difficult. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my might be a lot easier if we just showed up to church once a week and occasionally put a little bit of money in the plate and justified our own indifference to the suffering of others because we do our part. It would be a lot easier. But is that the faithful life that God is calling us? Love until it hurts. And then, love more. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, take the clay of our lives.